Welcome to Code Whack, your podcast on America's broken healthcare system and how Medicare for All can help. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. Why is America's healthcare system in critical condition? And what can save it? We spoke to Dr. Abdul El Sayed, a physician, politician, and podcast host about his fascinating life and his new book, Medicare for All, A Citizen's Guide. This is the first of a two-part series. Welcome to Code Whack, Dr. El Sayed. Well, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here with you. If you can tell us uh, a little bit about your background, you started in medicine and public health and then switched to politics, even running for governor of Michigan in 2018. What motivated you to make the switch? Yeah, I grew up in this really interesting um, and uncommon household. My father is an immigrant from Alexandria, Egypt, and uh, my stepmom, who raised me, is a daughter of the American Revolution. And so I, I sort of grew up between different worlds with with a, a bit of a, a foot in, in each of them. And most summers, I would uh, get on an airplane, sometimes before school was even out, to go to Alexandria, where I'd get to spend most of my time with the wisest, most intelligent person I have yet to meet in my life, which is my grandmother. She never got to go to school. And her life was an exercise in contrasts that were um, really helpful and, and morally clarifying for me. The first is the fact that you know she had eight children to whom she gave birth, two of whom died before the age of one. She had a personal infant mortality rate of 25%. In those trips, you know, I could see the difference in life opportunities between people. And my grandmother would always accentuate that. She'd point to one of my cousins and say, that one's smarter than you. Point to another one and say, that one's taller and better looking. Point to a third one and say, that one's more athletic. Point to a fourth one and say, that one's nicer and kinder. Uh, to the point where I, I didn't really think I had anything going for me. And she said, no, you have the best of all. You've got opportunities. And um, the thing is, is that in those 15-hour trips, I travel about 10 years difference in life expectancy. And the, the, the craziest part of that is that I didn't have to go 15 hours. I could go 15 minutes. And for me, the choice to pursue a career in medicine was about trying to rectify uh, the clear differences that, some, that, that our society has uh, in who gets to live a long, healthy life. And I thought that uh, a career in medicine was going to be the way that I could have an impact on that. And it became really clear that rather than being a way that we solve those problems, in fact, the system that we practice in in the United States is a part of recreating them. And so I left clinical medicine for public health and then ultimately left to, to rebuild a health department in the city of Detroit. And in that moment, my job was to rebuild that department in that city that was such a contrast to where I got to grow up. And in doing that came front and center with the politics that, uh, that I, I think allocates resources too often uh, back to those who have and, and extracts from those who don't. And ultimately seeing that, seeing the way that, that that had shut down a health department, defunded public health in America's largest majority black, uh, poorest city, and then watching the same thing poison 9,000 kids in Flint, and then watching Donald Trump get elected. That, that's when I decided uh, to run for office. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, how did you come to support and become an advocate for Medicare for All? Uh, you know, through medical school, frankly, you know, even in college, I had become really um, interested in the question of why we're the only high-income country in the world that doesn't provide universal health coverage. I was in grad school when the ACA debates were taking place and came to appreciate the kind of politics that exist around healthcare and the ways that those who have controlled the healthcare industry for their profits, the health insurance industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the hospital corporations, the ways that they um, shape the debate and the ways that they viciously opposed 
even reforms that 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 protected their profits. And um, the whole time, those of us who were, you know, at, at that point, uh, relatively naive to the system of politics, kept asking, "Well, if we're going to reform healthcare, why don't we just fix the problem rather than tinker around the edges?" And um, I think a lot of people came out of that ACA fight thinking, "Well, see, this is the reason you can't get healthcare reform." And I think a lot of us who were a bit younger or a bit more idealistic came out of it saying, well, this is why you got to go all the way, right? Um, these folks have way too much power, and that power dictates who gets healthcare and who doesn't in our country in profound, inequitable ways. Um, and, and that sort of set me on, on that path. And when I decided to run, I, I knew that I was going to run on a state-level version of, of Medicare for all. Um, and you know, after I didn't win, uh, the question for me was, all right, how do I leverage both the insights I have in the healthcare system uh, and the knowledge I have of politics to uh, to articulate, um, you know, soup to nuts, the ways in which our healthcare system fails people and the ways in which Medicare for All would solve that. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so your best-selling book, Medicare for All, A Citizen's Guide, argues that America's healthcare system is in critical condition. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you don't have to look much further than a year um, to understand exactly how we faced the worst pandemic in over a century. And rather than uh, stand up to that pandemic, our healthcare system uh, got as close to collapse as possible. We watched as 47 hospitals went bankrupt or were shut down completely in the midst of a global pandemic. 15 million people lost their health insurance, lost their health coverage in the midst of a pandemic. Nurses and doctors and, and, and hospital employees having to wear garbage bags uh, while caring for the sick and dying inside of our hospitals in the richest, most powerful country in the world. Meanwhile, the insurance industry made more in 2020 than it ever has. They spent $151 million across 845 lobbyists to make sure that politicians were as blind as possible to their failures. $120 million in the last cycle alone, electioneering, giving money to politicians to maintain the status quo. That to me is as much of an indictment as you need to know. But it's not just the pandemic, right? It's not just these, uh, these moments of extremis that demonstrate how broken our system is. Um, because the normal we keep wanting to go back to is normal where 10% of Americans didn't have health care at all. And even for those who had it, they faced a deductible in the thousands of dollars. The median family of four earned $69,000 a year, and their deductible is about $3,600. That's more than a biweekly paycheck. I don't know how many families earning $70,000 a year can go without a paycheck because their insurance uh, requires it. That's above and beyond what they've already paid, the premiums that they've already paid. So this system is fast becoming unsustainable for people, even outside of pandemic conditions. It fails us in the moments when we need it most. And, and for that reason, it is in critical condition. Mm -hmm. Thank you. In the book, you tell the story of Lisa Cardillo and her husband. Can you briefly tell us about them and the significance of their story for American healthcare? Yeah. Um, Lisa was 36 years old, when she started feeling the symptoms of a potentially catastrophic heart attack, um, a rare form that, that affects uh, younger women like her. The crazy thing is that this was three years after her husband had had a brain tumor. And when he went through his brain cancer, uh, she had learned exactly what it means to have, quote unquote, health insurance in this country after spending hours upon hours fighting uh, for the health care that she thought she had already paid for. Friends and family pitching GoFundMes and fundraisers uh, to make sure that they could pay their deductible. And then crisis uh, hit their family again, and they were in a situation where 
They were trying to manage the costs of care for her and uh, now for her husband who continues to have to get an MRI every three months. And, and those are extremely expensive. And so, you know, she was the kind of person who in the past, our healthcare debate wouldn't have centered on, right? Because in the past, when we were talking about healthcare, it was about uh, providing healthcare for low-income people. And frankly, that should be enough, but um, it hasn't been. But Lisa is insured through her husband's insur insurer. She is supposed to be the kind of person who's taken care of. In fact, the operative term in the word insurance is sure. And there is nothing sure about her experience with insurance. And so um, given what she went through, it, it's very clear that um, a lot of folks think that their insurance is going to be there for them when in fact it's not. And this is sort of the magic trick, the, the evil bait and switch that the insurance industry perpetrates on people. You think it's going to be there for you because you've been paying through your nose every two weeks or every month. And when you need it most, it's not there for you. And um, and you don't know it, but you signed away, you know, your your sometimes tens of thousands of dollars in deductibles, uh, thinking that of course that wasn't going to strike you. And so, you know, her experience really is emblematic of the failures of our current system. Mm -hmm. And what happened with her ultimately? Well, she's um, thankfully she lived, and uh, you know, she's um, she continues to have to haggle and 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 fight and, and beg and plead with her insurance uh, bureaucracy. And, uh, and, you know, and, 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 and she, has, she, has, she has become an advocate for, uh, for universal healthcare in the form of Medicare for all, because she does not believe that anybody should have to go through uh, what she and her husband Dominic have experienced. Thank you, Dr. El Sayed. Find more Code WAC episodes on ProgressiveVoices.com and on the PV app. You can also subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.